17. Any power pleasures being too numerously divided to be able to settle as to which ought to be number one, but because it is necessary to commence consequently we would wish to settle down in company with the amiable reader in front of a tobacconist's shop in the Regent Circus, Piccadilly, and as the principal attractions glare upon the astonishment of the spectators from the south window, it is there in imagination that we are irresistibly fixed, before we dilate upon the delicious peculiarities of the exhibition. We deem it absolutely a matter of justice to the noble heart patriot who, imitative of the Greeks and Athenians of old, who gave the porticos of their public buildings, and other convenient spots, for the display of their artists' productions, has most generously appropriated the chief space of his shop front to the use and advantage of the painter, and has thus set a bright example to the high-minded Havana merchants and contractors for Cubas and Nastor, which we trust will not be suffered to pass unobserved by them. The principal feature, or, rather mass of features, which enchain the beholder, is a whole-length portrait of a gentleman par excellence seated in a luxuriating, white chapel style of ease, the envy, we venture to affirm, of every omnibus cat and coachman, whose loiterings near the spot afford them occasional peeps at him, he is most decidedly the greatest cigar in the shop not only the mildest, if his countenance deceive us not, but evidently the most full-flavored, the artist has, Moreover, by some extraordinary adaptation or strange coincidence, made him typical of the locality we allude to the bowl and mouth seated at a table evidently made and garnished for the article. The said gentleman herein depicted is in the act of drinking his own health, or that of all absent friends, probably coupling with it some little compliment to a favorite dog, one of the true Regent Street and Pink Ribbon breed, who appears to be paying suitable attention, a huge pineapple on the table and a champagne cork or two upon the ground, contribute a gallant air of reckless expenditure to the spirited work. In reference to the artistic qualities, it gives us immoderate satisfaction to state that the whole is conceived and executed with that characteristic attention so observable in the works of this master, and that the fruit knife, fork, corkscrew, decanter, and chiaroscuro as the critic of the art union would have it, are truly excellent. The only drawback upon the originality of the subject is the handkerchief on the knee, which although painted as vigorously as any other portion of the picture we do not strictly approve of, inasmuch as it may, with the utmost impartiality, be assumed as an imitation of Sir Thomas Lawrence's portrait of George IV, nevertheless, we in part excuse this, from the known difficulty attendant upon the representation of a gentleman seated in enjoyment, and parading his bandana, without associating it with a veritable footman who, upon the occasion of his Sunday out, may, perchance, be seen in one of the front lower tenements in Belgrave Square, or some such locale, paying violent attentions to the housemaid, and the hot toast, decorated with the order of the handkerchief, to preserve his crimson plush in all its glowing purity. We cannot take leave of this interesting work without declaring our opinion that the composition of the frame is highly creditable. We have forgotten the artist's name perhaps never knew it, but we believe it is the same gentleman who painted the great offer of Jack Shepard, placed on the right of the last-mentioned work of art, is a representation of a young lady, as seen when presenting a full-blown flower to a favorite parrot. There is a delicate simplicity in the attitude and expression of the damsel, which, though you fail to discover the like in the tortuous figures of Taglioni or Serato, we have often observed in the conduct of ladies many years in the seniority of the one under notice, who, Ever mindful of the idol of their thoughts and affections a feline companion may be seen carrying a precious morsel, safely skewered, in advance of them, 
With gentleness the artist has been careful to retain to eminent success. We are, nevertheless, woefully at a loss to divine what the allegory can possibly be for as such we view it. What the analogy between a pretty pole and a polyanthus. We are unlearned in the language of flowers. Or, perhaps, might probe the mystery by a little floral discussion. We are, however, compelled to leave it to the noble order of Freemasons and shall therefore wait patiently an opportunity of communicating with His Royal Highness the Duke of Sussex. In the meantime we shall not be silent upon the remaining qualities of the work as a general whole the young lady the parrot the polyanthus, and the chiaroscuro, are as excellent as usual in this our most amusing painter's productions. As a pendant to this, we are favored with the portrait of a young gentleman upon a half-holiday and, equipped with cricket means, his dexter hand grasps his favorite bat whilst the left arm gracefully encircles a hat, in which is seductively shown a genuine duke. The sentiment of this picture is unparalleled, and to the young hero of any parish eleven is given a stern expression of Lord's Marylebone ground. We can already aid by perspective and imagination see him before a future generation of cricketers. Shoulder his bat, and show how games were won. The bat is well drawn and colored with much truth and with that strict observance of harmony which is so characteristic of the excellences of art, the artist has felicitously blended the tone and character of the bat with that of the young gentleman's head. As to the ball, we do not recollect ever to have seen one in the works of any of the old masters so true to nature. In conclusion, the buttons on the jacket, and the buttonholes, companions thereto, would baffle the criticism of the most hyper-fastidious stab rag, and the shirt collar with every other detail never forgetting the chiaroscuro are equal to any of the preceding. Curious coincidence, we had prepared an announcement of certain theatricals extraordinary, with which we had intended to favor the public. When the following bill reached us, we feel that its contents partake so strongly of what we had heretofore conceived the exclusive character of punch, that to avoid the charge of plagiarism, as well as to prevent any confusion of interests, we had resolved to give insertion to both. As punch is above all petty rivalry, we accord our collaborators the preference. Red Lion Court, Fleet Street, Sir, allow me to solicit your kindness so far, as to give publicity to this bill, by placing it in some conspicuous part of your establishment. The success of the undertaking will prove so advantageous to the public at large, that I fear not your compliance in so good a cause. I am, Sir, yours very obediently. C. Mitchell V.I.V.A. and E. Regina at the R.I.N.C.A.P.'s, Theatre Royal English Opera House, Wellington Street North, Strand, conducted by the Council of the Dramatic Authors Theatre, established for the full encouragement of English living dramatists. Address to the public. The generous national feelings of the British public are proverbially interested in every endeavor to obtain a free stage and fair play. The Council of the Dramatic Authors Theatre seek to achieve both. For every English living dramatist, compelled, by the state of the law, to present on the stage a high tragic composition in an irregular form and affecting which, nevertheless, regard has been had to those elements of human nature, which must constitute the essential principles of every genuine dramatic production. They hope for such kind consideration as may be due to a work brought forward in obedient accordance with the regulations of Acts of Parliament, though laboring thereby under some consequent difficulties, the law for the small theatres royal and the law for the large theatres royal, not being one and the same law, if, by these efforts, a beneficial alteration in such law, which presses so fatally on dramatic genius, and which militates against the revival of the highest class of drama, 
should be effected, they feel assured that the public will participate in their triumph. On Thursday, the 26th of August, will be presented, for the first time, interspersed with songs and music, M.A.R.D.I.N.U.Z.Z.I., by George Stevens, Esquire taken by him from his magnificent dramatic poem, entitled, The Hungarian Daughter, the solos, duets, crosses, and every other musical arrangement the law may require, by Mr. David Lee. The following opinions of the press on the actable qualities of the dramatic poem, are selected from a vast mass of similar notices, worthy of the stage in its best days. The Courier. Effective situations, if well acted, it could not fail of success. Newbell's Messenger. The man of the Elizabethan poet seems to have fallen on Mr. Stevens, for we have scarcely ever met with, in the works of modern dramatists, the truthful delineations of human passion, the chaste and splendid imagery, and continuous strain of fine poetry to be found in the Hungarian daughter, Cambridge Journal, equal to good, all is impassioned and effective, the poet has availed himself of every tragic point, and brought together every element, nor, with the exception, of Mr. Knowles's love. Has there been a single drama, within the last four years, presented on the stage at all comparable, monthly magazine, after which will be performed, also for the first time, an original entertainment in one act, entitled The Cloak and the Bonnet, by the author of Jacob Faithful, Peter Simple, and C, and C, no orders admitted, no free list, the public press accepted, now for our penny trumpet, theatricals extraordinary, reader. Allow us to solicit your kindness so far as to give publicity to the following announcement. By buying up and distributing among your friends the whole of the unsold copies of this number, the success of this undertaking will prove so advantageous to the public at large, and of so little benefit to ourselves, that we fear not your compliance in so good a cause. Yours obediently. Punch. V.I.V.A. and Ecant et Theatre Royal Peripatetic. Wellington Street South. Strand. Conducted by the Council of the Fanatic Association established for the full encouragement of timber actors and wooden-headed dramatists. Address to the public, O.R. Punch blowing his own trumpet. The general national feelings of the British public are proverbially interested in every endeavor to obtain a blind alley, and no fantoxini, compelled by the new police act to move on, and so present our high tragic composition by small installments in effecting which, nevertheless, Regard has been had this parenthesis to be continued in our next. We hope for such kind consideration as may be due, when it is remembered that the law for the outdoor punch and the law for the indoor punch is not one and the same law. Oh, law, on Saturday, the 28th of August, will be presented, interspersed with drum and mouth organ, P-U-N-C-H-I-N-U-Z-Z-I, by ego S-C-R-I-B-L-E-R-U-S, Esquire taken from his magnificent dramatic poem, entitled, Punch nuts upon himself. The following opinions on the actable qualities of Punchinuzzi are selected from a vast mass of similar notices. This airplay had drawn at one affair, the late Mr. Richardson. This happy poetic drama would be certain to command crowded and elegant courts. Lobel Assembly. We have read Punchinuzzi, and we fearlessly declare that the man of that metropolitan bard, the late Mr. William Waters, has descended upon the gifted author, observer. Worthy of the streets in their best days. Fudge. No orders. No free list. No money. The Whig's last dying speech. A.S. delivered by the Queen. It is with no common pride that Punch avails himself of the opportunity presented to him. From sources exclusively his own. 
of laying before his readers a copy of the original draft of the speech decided upon at a late cabinet council. There is a novelty about it which preeminently distinguishes it from all preceding orations from the throne or the woolsack, for it has a purpose, and evinces much kind consideration on the part of the sovereign, in rendering this monoion departed Whiggism as grateful as possible to its surviving friends and admirers. There is much of the eulogistic fervor of George Robbins, combined with the rich poetic feeling of Mackay, running throughout the oration. Indeed, it remained for the Whigs to add this crowning triumph to their policy, for who but Melbourne and company would have conceived the happy idea of converting the mouth of the monarch into an organ for puffing, and transforming majesty itself into a national advertiser? The Queen's speech. My lords and gentlemen, I have the satisfaction to inform you, that, through the invaluable policy of my present talent and highly disinterested advisers, I continue to receive from foreign powers assurances of their amicable disposition towards, and inbounded respect for, my elegant and enlightened Secretary of State for Foreign Affairs, and of their earnest desire to remain on terms of friendship with the rest of my gifted, liberal, and amiable cabinet. The posture of affairs in China is certainly not of the most pacific character, but I have the assurance of my infallible Privy Council, and of that profound statesman my Secretary of State for Foreign Affairs, in particular that the present disagreement arises entirely from the barbarous character of the Chinese, and their determined opposition to the progress of temperance in this happy country. I have also the satisfaction to inform you, that, by the acute diplomatic skill of my never-to-be-sufficiently eulogized Secretary of State for Foreign Affairs, that, after innumerable and complicated negotiations, he has at length succeeded in seducing His Majesty the King of the French to render to England the tardy justice of commemorating by a fate and inauguration at Cologne, the disinclination of the French, at a former period, to invade the British dominions, gentlemen of the House of Commons, I have directed the estimates for the next fortnight to be laid before you, which, I am happy to inform you, will be amply sufficient for the exigencies of my present disinterested advisers, the unequaled fiscal and arithmetical talents of my Chancellor of the Exchequer have, by the most rigid economy, succeeded in reducing the revenue very considerably below the actual expenditure of the state. My lords and gentlemen, measures will be speedily submitted to you for carrying out the admirable plans of my Secretary of State for the Colonial Department, and the brilliant offer of Don Carlos, for the prevention of apoplexy among paupers, and the reduction of the present extravagant dietary of the unions. I had the gratification to announce that a commission is in progress by which it is proposed by my non-patronage ministers to call into a requisition the talents of several literary gentlemen all intimate friends or relations of my deeply erudite and profoundly philosophic Secretary of State for the Home Department, and offer of, yes and number, three volumes, Colburn for the purpose of extending the knowledge of reading and writing, and the encouragement of circulating libraries all over the kingdom, my consistent and uncompromising Secretary of State for the Colonies, having, since the publication of his spirited essays by a gentleman who has lately left his lodgings, totally changed his opinions on the subject of the Corn Laws. A measure is in the course of preparation with a view to the repeal of those laws, and the continuance in office of my invaluable, tenacious, and incomparable ministry. Caution. We have just heard from a friend in Somerset House, that it is the intention of the commissioners of stamps, from the glaring puffs embodied in the above speech to proceed for the advertisement duty against all newspapers in which it is inserted, for ourselves, we will cheerfully pay, a German, resident in New York, 
has such a remarkably hard name, that he spoils a gross of steel pens in nursing a bill, a new version of the ALSHAZZAR's feast, such, we are credibly assured, was the determination of these liberal and enlightened leathers, they had heard frequent whispers of a general indisposition on the part of all lovers of consistency to stand in their master's shoes, and taking the insult to themselves, they lately came to the resolution of cutting the connection, they felt that his liberality and his boots were all that constituted the idea of Burdett, and now that he had forsaken his old party and joined Peel's, the tops magnanimously decided to forsake him, and force him to take to a Wellington's. We have been favored with a report of the conversation that took place upon the occasion, and may perhaps indulge our readers with a copy of it next week. In the meantime, we beg to subjoin a few lines, suggested by the circumstance of Burdett taking the chair at Reza's feast, which strongly remind us of Byron's vision of Belshazzar. Burdett was in the chair the Torah's thronged the hall a thousand lamps were there, or that mad festival, his crystal cup contained the great blood of the Rhine, draught after draught he drained to drown his thoughts in wine, in that same hour and hall of shade like glory, came, and wrote upon the wall the records of his shame, and at its fingers traced the words, as with a wand, the traitorous and debased appraised his palsied hand, and in his chair he shook, and could no more rejoice, all bloodless waxed his look, and tremulous his voice, what words are those appear, to mar my fancied mirth, what bringeth glory here to tell a faded worth, false renegade, Thy name was once the star which led the free, but, oh, what shame encircles now thine head, bored in the balance weighed, and worthless found at last, all, all, thou hast betrayed, and so the spirit passed, Punch's pencilings, member vi, supreme court of the Lord High Inquisitor Punch, had thee the with justice company, this is a cause of thorough orthodox equity standing, having commenced before the time of legal memory with every prospect of obtaining a final decree on its merits somewhere about the next Greek calends, in the present term, Councillor B.A.Y.W.I.G. moved, on the part of the plaintiff, who sues in forma pauperis, for an injunction to restrain the with justice company from setting a hungry Scotchman one of their own creatures, without local or professional knowledge over the lands of which the plaintiff is the legal, though unfortunately not the beneficial owner, as keeper and head manager thereof, to the gross wrong of the tenants the depreciation of the lands themselves, the further reduction of the funds standing in the name of the cause, the insult to the feelings and the disregard of the rights of gentlemen living on the estate, and perfectly acquainted with its management, and finally, to an unblushing and barefaced denial of justice to all parties, the learned counsel proceeded to state, that the company, in order to make an excuse for thus saddling the impoverished estates with an additional incubus, had committed a double wrong, by forcing from the office a man eminently qualified to discharge its functions who had lived and grown white with honorable years in the actual discharge of these functions and by thrusting into his place their own needy retainer, who, instead of being the propounder of the laws which govern the estates, would be merely the apprentice to learn them, and this to at a time when the company was on the eve of bankruptcy, and when the possession which they had usurped so long was about to pass into the hands of their official assignees, Lord High Inquisitor. What authorities can you cite for this application? Councillor B.A.Y.W.I.G. My lord, I fear the cases are, on the whole, rather adverse to us. Men have, undoubtedly, been chosen to administer the laws of this fine estate, and to guard it from waste, who have studied its customs, been thoroughly learned in its statistics, and interested, by blood and connection, 
in its prosperity, but this number is very small. However, when injustice of the most grievous kind is manifest, it should not be continued merely because it is the custom, or because it is an old institution of the country. Lord High Inquisitor, I am quite astonished at your broaching such abominable doctrines here, sir, you a lawyer, and yet talk of justice in a court of equity, by Bacon, Blackstone, and Eldon, tease marvelous, Mr. Bailey, if you proceed, I shall feel it my duty to commit you for a contempt of court, Counselor B.A.Y.W.I.G., my lord, in that case I decline the honor of addressing your lordship further, but certainly my poor client is wronged in his land, in himself and in his kindred, it is shocking personal insult added to terrible pecuniary punishment, Lord High Inquisitor, serve him right, we dismiss the application with costs, the advantages of style, some of the uninitiated in the art and mystery of bookmaking conceive the chief tax must be upon the compiler's brain, we give the following as a direct proof to the contrary one that has the authority of Lord Hamlet, who summed the matter up in three, words, 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 in one column we give a commonplace household and familiar term in the other we render it into the true Bulwerian phraseology, does your mother know as your maternal parents natural solicitude you are out, allayed by the information, that you have for the present vacated your domestic roof, you don't lodge here, you are geographically and statistically Mr. Ferguson, misinformed, this is by no means the accustomed place of your occupancy, Mr. Ferguson, see, there he goes behold, he proceeds totally deprived of one with his eye out, moiety of his visual organs, don't you wish you pray confess, are you not really particularly may get it, anxious to obtain the desired object, more t'other, infinitely, peculiarly, and most intensely the entire extreme and the absolute reverse, quite different, dissimilar as the far extended poles, or the deep tinctured upon skins of the dark denizens of soul sultry plains and the fair rivals of descending flakes of virgin snow, melting with envy on the peerless breast of fair Circassia's tenfold whitewashed daughters, over the left, decidedly in the ascendant of the sinister, from the nobleman who was selected to move the address in the House of Lords, it would seem that the Whigs, tired of any further experiments in turning their coats, are about to try what effect they can produce with an old Spencer, as the weather is to decide the question of the Corn Laws, the rains that have lately fallen may be called, with truth, the rains of government, sporting in Downing Street, come out will you, the extraordinary attachment which the Whigs have displayed for office has been almost without parallel in the history of ministerial fidelity, zoologists talk of the local affection of cats, but in what animal shall we discover such a strong love of place as in the present government, Lord John is a very badger in the courageous manner in which he has resisted the repeated attacks of the Tory terriers, the odds, however, are too great for even his powers of defense, he has given some of the most forward of the curs who have tried to drag him from his burrow some shrewd bites and scratches that they will not forget in a hurry, but, overpowered by numbers, he must come out at last, and yield the victory to his numerous persecutors, who will, no doubt, plume themselves upon their dexterity at drawing a badger, punches extra dramatic intelligence by the correspondent of the observer, the dramatic world has been in a state of bustle all the week and parties are going about declaring not that we put any faith in what they say that MacReady has already given a large sum for a manuscript. If he has done this, we think he is much to blame, unless he has very good reasons, as he most likely has, for doing so, and if such is the case, though we doubt the policy of the step, 
there can be no question of his having acted very properly in taking it. His lease begins in October, when, it is said, he will certainly open, if he can, but, as he positively cannot, the reports of his opening are rather premature, to say the least of them, for our parts, we never think of putting any credit in what we hear, but we give everything just as it reaches us, the money market tin is tuppence a hundred weight dearer at Hamburg than at Paris, which gives an exchange of 247 mil in favor of the latter capital. A good deal of conversation has been excited by a report of its being intended by some parties in the city to establish a bank of issue upon equitable principles. The plan is a novel one, for there is to be no capital actually subscribed, it being expected that sufficient assets will be derived from the depositors. Shares are to be issued, to which a nominal price will be attached, and a dividend is to be declared immediately. The Association for Supplying London with Periwinkles does not progress very rapidly. A wharf has been taken, but nothing more has been done, which island we believe, caused by the difficulty found in dealing with existing interests. Signs of the times. The Tories are coming into office, and the Parliament House is surrounded with scaffolds, to bakers and fishmongers, want places, in either of the above lines, three highly practical and experienced hands, fully capable and highly accomplished in the arduous duties of looking after any quantity of loaves and fishes. A ten years' character can be produced from their last places, which they leave because the concern is for the present disposed of to persons equally capable. No objection to a look after the till. Wage is not so much an object as an extensive trade. The applicants being desirous of keeping their hands in apply to Mass Russ, Russell, Melbourne, and Palmerston, Downing Street without. It is very odd, said Sergeant Channel to Fessider, that Tyndall should have decided against me on that point of law which, to me, seemed as plain as a B.C., yes, replied Thesiger, but of what use is it that it should have been a B.C. to you, if the judge was determined to be D.E.F. to it, clever rogues, the Belfast Vindicator has a story of a sailor who pledged a sixpence for threepence, having it described on the duplicate ticket as, a piece of silver plate of beautiful workmanship, by which means he disposed of the ticket for two and sixpence, the Tories are so struck with this display of congenial roguery, that they intend pawning their Bob, and having him described as a rare piece of virtue premier qualite in the expectation of securing a crown by it. Enuend easy on the state of the crops. Mr. Muntz requests us to state, in answer to numerous inquiries as to the motives which induce him to cultivate his beard, that he is actuated purely by a spirit of economy, having, for the last few years, grown his own mattresses a practice which he earnestly recommends to the attention of all prudent and hirsute individuals. He finds, by experience, that nine square inches of chin will produce, on an average, about a sofa per annum. The whiskers, if properly attended to, may be made to yield about an easy chair in the same space of time, whilst luxuriant mustachios will give a pair of anti-rheumatic attrition gloves every six months. Mr. N. recommends, as the best mode of cultivation for barren soils, to plough with a cat's paw, and manure with Macassar. The Earl of Stair has been created Lord Oxenford. Theodore Hook thinks that the more appropriate title for a stair, in raising him a step higher, would have been Lord Landing Place, or Viscount Bannister, Lord Melbourne's letter bag. The Aegean task of cleansing the treasury has commenced, and brooms and scrubbing brushes are at a premium a little anticipative, it is true, of the approaching turnout but the dilatory idleness and muddle-headed confusion of those who will soon be termed its late occupiers, rendered this a work of absolute time and labor, 
that the change in office had long been expected, is evident from the number of hordes discovered, which the unfortunate employees had saved up against the rainy day arrived. The rooting out of this conglomeration was only equaled in trouble by the removal of the bird line with which the various benches were covered, and which adhered with most pertinacious obstinacy, in spite of every effort to get rid of it, from one of the wicker baskets used for the purpose of receiving the torn-up letters and documents. The following papers were extracted. We contrived to match the pieces together, and have succeeded tolerably while informing some connected epistles from the disjointed fragments. We offer no comment, but allow them to speak for themselves. They are selected at random from dozens of others. W.